This is Hemant Mehta for the Friendly Atheist Podcast. I'm here with Rebecca Hensler, who is the founder of a Facebook page called Grief Beyond Belief. And it's basically a page devoted to faith-free grief support. So, you know, if you lose a loved one and you want to talk to people about it, usually the resources you have out there are religious. And that doesn't really do much for you when you're an atheist and you're you know, you're struggling with the loss of someone you love. And so Rebecca began this page to help people get through that difficult time when you don't believe in God. I cannot tell you all how many times I have referenced the website or recommended to people who have written to me going through that situation. And I've told them, you should go check out Grief Beyond Belief because it's really, really helpful. And the feedback I've gotten from people who have visited that page is unbelievable. So, Rebecca, thank you so much for for being with me. And I'm wondering if you can just start off by telling us how you got involved in this particular form of activism because it's a really unique niche and it's not necessarily... Uh, one, I suspect, you go into thinking this is the sort of activism I want to do. It's interesting that you talk about it as activism because I was a street activist when I was younger, when I was in my early 20s. And really, you know, much of my younger life, um, I've been arrested 16 times. I really was a very serious AIDS activist and a queer liberation activist. And so I never really thought that I would end up taking a role in a community where I'm much more a caregiver than a firebrand of any sort. Um, But what happened was I had a son who was born with a very severe birth defect. And my wife and I knew that he was going to be born with this condition, uh, which is called congenital diaphragmatic hernia. And my son, he lived only for three months. Uh, He got excellent care. um, But it's a condition that's very, very serious. And many, many of the babies who are born with it don't make it. So after he died, obviously, you know, there's really no experience like losing a child. Um, Grieving parents are sort of a different species. And I really felt for months, I mean, I just felt like there was really no point to my life at that point, which is a very common emotion for grieving parents. And then really, as things were getting worse and worse, I discovered online grief support, which I'd never even known existed. And you found grieving support for atheists or uh, online grief support for people in general? Online grief support specifically for parents who were grieving children who had died through an organization called the Compassionate Friends, which is an amazing organization. But it was such a mixed experience for me because at the same time as it was incredibly supportive and I 
can honestly say I don't know how I would have made it through without. It was also incredibly alienating because the vast majority of the people involved in the Compassionate Friends community are grieving with some kind of afterlife belief, whether it's a belief in heaven and angels, and boy, was there a lot of heaven and angels, or a belief in signs and spirits and, you know, I'm going to go see a medium so I can communicate with my dead child. And all that talk was really anything but comforting for me. And it it was hard being feeling so much in the minority, not just like, wow, I'm different, but that how I was grieving was different. And I started reading about secular grief and there were people who were writing about it and there were people who were talking about it and a lot of people were saying there is a need for support for people who are grieving without belief in an afterlife or a higher power but no one was really doing anything about it and that's where the part of it that I think really kind of is my activist instinct kicked in because I wasn't willing to kind of wait for someone else to do something. And so even though it took some time for me to feel ready because providing grief support is not something that people feel ready to do, you know, in the months or even the year following their own loss. Um, I did two years after my son's death, I did find, I found this community, Grief Beyond Belief, and I founded it just as a Facebook page, just as this one page. And I didn't really know whether people were going to respond or not. I do have to say that it was really bloggers like you and so many other people writing about it that made the community grow at first because that's how so many people in the atheist community found out that grief beyond belief existed and it grew quickly and then about six months afterwards uh, there was an article about us that was published in the Huntington Post and a few other uh, online news sources and then there was this whole second growth among people who didn't call themselves atheists, who weren't thinking of themselves as part of a community or a movement. They were just out there quietly grieving without the kind of support they needed. And after that, the community doubled in size. And we've grown in a number of ways since then. I can tell you that one of the reasons I remember writing about it when I heard about what you had started is because, you know, I, I do get a lot of emails as a blogger, just as I think every blogger does and any YouTuber, podcaster, what have you. We all we all get, you know, messages from people. But if people ask, you know, I'm going I'm going through a crisis of faith. I have questions about God. It's so easy to say, you know, here are some books you might want to check out or here are some websites you may want to go to. 
But when people say, you know, I lost a parent, I lost a grandparent or, or someone younger, and I don't know what to do because everyone says they're praying for me, or like you said, they keep mentioning the afterlife or that, you know, we'll be reunited in the future, that almost makes the pain worse because I know that's not true, but I I don't know what to do about it because there's no one I can talk to about this grief who will talk sense to me. And that's why when I saw what you were doing, it's like, oh my God, there's a community out there of people who have gone through this and have had that experience. And it's such a it's such a useful thing that I couldn't believe there wasn't already a resource like that out there. When people visit the Facebook page, uh, is there one particular thing that they're all going through? Is it just, I lost a loved one, I don't know what to do? Or is it something else? I think like any people who are grieving, non-believers who are grieving are all different. And that I think people sort of externally think, oh, you must all kind of be experiencing the same thing. And people who have really been through intense grief know that it's not the same for anyone, everyone. And yet, there are things that we have in common, and that's what makes peer-to-peer grief support so powerful. And I'm really glad that you recognize that what we are is a community of people who are sharing with each other what we're going through. There's no one at Grief Beyond Belief that's some kind of expert. And we frequently refer people to seek therapy. We uh, recommend that people who have been grieving for a long period of time and feel like things aren't getting better look into the Center for Complicated Grief where they're doing so much really good research on what really works. Because one of the things, of course, as non-believers and skeptics, we really care that what people access as grief support is really evidence-based. Peer-to-peer grief support is a little bit different because it's really just reaching out to people and saying, hey, you know, I'm going through this and it feels like I must be losing my mind. There must be something really wrong with me. That's a big part of what peer-to-peer grief support is, is people saying, hey, I went through that too. There's nothing wrong with you, or if there's something seriously wrong with you, it's seriously wrong with all of us because grief sucks. But it definitely makes grieving people feel better when they say, I don't know, any one of the many really strange feeling experiences they've had when they describe it to have someone else say, hey, I experienced that too. Is there a particular type of uh, a question that people have for the community that you have found to be the hardest thing to answer? I think... The hardest things are when people are just really in the depth of grief, when they are in 
excruciating pain when it feels like it hurts like hell, it's not getting any better, it's hard for me to believe that it's ever going to get any better, I've, you know, been to a therapist, it didn't, didn't make me feel better, um, to really be able to say, I don't have answers for you. I don't have some solution because grief isn't something that there's a solution to. Grief is something that people learn to live with. And the best research really is say is, you know, most people are really resilient and people make it through to a point where they've really incorporated their grief and their relationship to the loved one who's died kind of into the rest of their life. They're able to find things that bring them joy. They're able to work. They're able to love. It's not about moving on. It's about learning to live with it. But when someone is really in the depths of grief, not having a solution is probably the hardest thing. And and I do want to say that that's one of the things where when someone's in the depth of grief, if you do believe in an afterlife, you kind of have this easy answer. You can say, you know, you're going to see them again. When someone's in the depths of grief and saying, why me? Why did this happen? How could this have happened? If you're a believer in a higher power, you might have some sort of answer to that. But when you are grieving with the knowledge that there isn't someone in control, that there isn't a plan or a reason externally, we don't have those easy answers. But that doesn't mean that there is nothing that is comforting to people who are grieving without faith. And that's a stereotype that I hear all the time. Well, then there can't be anything comforting. How could anyone live with grief without faith? And that's simply not true. It's interesting that you you bring up the fact that sometimes you tell people, I don't know what to tell you or something, because if I'm imagining what religious people go through and the conversations they might have with their pastors, reverends, what have you, I can't imagine the pastor, the priest ever saying, you know what, I got no answers for you, because that's one of the things you go to church for. It's it's to answer these unanswerable questions. And especially when you're talking about grief and death, one of the reasons religion's so powerful is because they provide answers, whether or not they're true, but, but they give you these solid answers. This is what that person, uh, here's where that person is right now. Here's what's going to happen later on in your life or afterlife. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, just sometimes telling people, you know what, I don't know what to tell you. I don't necessarily have an answer. That sort of honesty may be very comforting, I suspect, to, to a lot of atheists. Well, I certainly think people who are non-believers, you know, the last thing they want is to be told something that they know to be patently false. And even, you know, a lot of, a lot of non-believers do go through 
sort of wishing they believed, but well, I don't know my experience, you know, even when I sort of would daydream about like, well, what if he is in heaven and, you know, my friends who died of AIDS are taking care of him and blah, blah, blah. But then I, you know, I'm a very sort of logical person. So then I think like, well, then would he grow up in heaven? Where would he go to school? Would he go to college? <laughs> and then like the whole thing falls apart right. when you think especially about heaven. Right. When you think about heaven rationally, the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> Will and... he have student debt when he graduates from that college? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, but again, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that are comforting. Would, when you were working as an AIDS activist, or when you were an AIDS activist, I should say, and and you lost people close to you in that part of your life, I wonder if there was any difference in the way uh, the LGBT community may have approached the concept of death and grief that uh, is similar or different to, to what you're experiencing now. That's a really interesting question. It's interesting. Most people, most of the time when I talk about grief beyond belief, I don't talk about my AIDS activism. In the height of the epidemic, at least those of us who are activists, I mean, there were these sayings like, don't grieve, organize. And mm -hmm. so much of what we did with our pain was immediately move from loss to anger. And a lot of us who survived are dealing now with working through the grief that we never really worked through then. Um, and I don't regret that we, we turned all that pain into anger and action because the anger and action saved lives without question. But I do know now looking back that we made a mistake in not taking the time to grieve. Is that the big thing? If you could go back and take what you know now to that part of your life, would you tell people, like, we, we lost these people, let's honor their memory, let's take some time to, to cherish them, and then use that energy to move forward? That's a great question. I'm... What happened, happened. Um, I don't know that... I really even think about, like, should we have done something differently? What I do know is that what I learned from the death of my son and what I've learned from Grief Beyond Belief, I've started taking back into the community of people who um, survived that part of the epidemic and were activists. And that's actually really been a intense and wonderful experience to go back and say, let's talk about grief. That's good to hear. Um, you know, we, sh we should say that usually when religious people 
respond to atheists who have lost a loved one. They say things like, you know, it happened for a reason. You will you will reunite with this person. They obviously mean well. This is what they say, you know, <laughs> themselves to get through these times. So they assume it's going to be good for you. Um, what would you say to them? Like, what is it that religious people don't understand about atheist grief besides just, you know, all the stuff you're saying? We don't believe in it. But what message would you send to them? And I wonder if any religious people ever come to Grief Beyond Belief on, on Facebook and, you know, want to chime in. They, they want to help people. They want to help you all feel better. And I, I don't know what the process is when that sort of thing or if it happens and how you deal with it if it happens. Well, I think there's sort of two questions. Um, you know, first of all, obviously, I do think people do mean well. But what I would say to them is being offered comforts that are not actually comforting can be harmful and traumatic. So having people who know that you do not believe try and comfort you by telling you that, you know, if only you'd believe that your, you know, your parent was in heaven and you'd see them again, you'll be fine, um, is uh, really damaging um, and sort of makes grieving harder. And one of the things we often find when people come to our community um, is that they want to talk about what people have been saying to them that's been upsetting and you know we really acknowledge and we say not just i'm sorry for your loss but i'm sorry that the people around you are making your loss harder not easier um hmm. there are religious people who come to grief beyond belief and specifically who come to the public facebook page to learn about how to support friends of theirs who are non-believers. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. Um, it's part of why we have both a public page and we also have a closed support group on Facebook. The closed group is not open to anyone who is not grieving and or um, has afterlife beliefs or God beliefs. So basically, to join the closed group, you have to be grieving without any sort of belief in an afterlife or a higher power. And what that means is that anyone who is in that closed group knows that everyone they are talking to is in that category. They may be different in a million other ways, and they are so different. And there is such diversity in that community, but they have this one thing in common. It's so um, I wonder how many religious people realize that that sort of closed group may be necessary because of their well-intentioned comments that totally backfire. Like and some people get mad at us for having these requirements. I, one of the things, I mean, the, the community is particularly the support group wouldn't work without, you know, just a large handful of people who are amazing volunteers. And their primary work is going through this process of communicating with the people who are requesting to join the group. So once someone requests to join, 
we contact them with questions about what they're going through so that we know it's the right group for them. And that's how we put it. It's not about like, are you a good person or a bad person? It's just, is this the right grief support community for you? But there are people who will get mad at us. Um, not, you know, what's, I think, it's not the very Christian people or very religious people. Those people often are like, well, this isn't what I'm looking for. You know, I, uh, I wish you well. And we say, I wish you well. And sometimes we support them in finding a group that's right for them. The biggest problem is actually that there isn't a lot of appropriate grief support for people with alternative spiritualities. And so they often mm. get very frustrated. They'll say, well, I'm not religious. Why won't you let me join your group? And the answer is because you aren't religious, but you're still, you know, think that your, you know, your loved one, their spirit is nearby and they're sending you signs and you believe in psychics and whatever else. <laughs> You know, or just have some sort of general afterlife belief that's going to make it not the right group for you. But that's hard. And I often say to them, I'm like, I, if you want my support in starting a group, right? I am happy to help you support the group that's right for you. But no, you know, it's it, it really means setting this limit and saying no. And we say have to say it pretty frequently. That must but be that? that must be so hard to do because oh, you know they're you they're know they're crazy. grieving already and the last thing they want is the last thing they need is more rejection. But I it know. is necessary. It's it actually is one of the hardest parts <laughs> of what we do is saying no to people for whom Grief beyond belief isn't the right kind of grief support. But part of why we do that is that people, like you were saying, people are coming to us saying, oh, these people, they're praying for me. I don't want them praying for me. They're telling me I should go to church and I'll feel better. They're, you know, like people are mad. A lot of people mm -hmm. come to us with anger about religion and the way, you know, sometimes they've been through some kind of trauma. I even known grieving atheists who've been told that like the death of their child was because of their, you know, their apostasism. Oh I mean, God. it's like, Oh, know, that would infuriate me. Oh, it's, I mean, it's not just infuriating, it's traumatic. Yeah. So people come to us having experienced religious trauma around their loss. And I'm not going to tell those people you can't, post about how mad and angry you are. But if a religious, if someone with be those beliefs was in the group, hearing them express that anger, that wouldn't be helpful for them either. So part of what we're creating is a space in which people can express that anger and process that trauma um, without worrying that they're going to hurt someone's feelings. If someone has lost a loved one and is an atheist, maybe they're listening to this podcast, but Maybe they don't want to join the Facebook group or whatever reason they can't. Uh, is there a particular resource or two that you think would be most helpful to them? Because like I said, outside of your group, which I, I think is fantastic, I don't know a lot of resources to point people to if they're going through this rough time. That's a good question. Um, one thing is 
a lot of hospitals and hospice do have grief support groups that are not religious in nature. This isn't true everywhere. It's really a struggle in some parts of the country. But what I'd really recommend is if you're going to join a grief support group, let the facilitator know ahead of time in the beginning that you're grieving without belief. Because if you don't do that, often they make an assumption that everyone has some sort of faith belief. That's a very common assumption just in general, that everyone has some sort of faith belief. And so to let a therapy, or if you're going into grief therapy, let the therapist know ahead of time. Make sure at the beginning that that's understood, that you are grieving without belief and you do not want to be offered any kinds of comforts that are spiritual or religious. There are some good books out there. Greta Christina's Comforting Thoughts About God that I... Comforting Thoughts About Death That Have Nothing to Do With God. It is a really good book. Very good book. Mm -hmm. Um, Carol Fiore, who who lost her husband, um, who is a writer, wrote a book that's a a grief workbook for skeptics. Uh, You can just uh, Google Carol Fiore, F-I-O-R-E. I do, you and I, um, I, I, I've let you know that our uh, griefbeyondbelief.org is having some problems. That we've been experiencing hacking, but um, when it is up, we do have a library of over 300 links to writing about grief and loss that um, are com- entirely free of religion and spirituality. So it's a place you can go and read, and you can just read people's stories. There are so many amazing grief blogs out there. But if you Google grief, your odds of having whatever you read have religion or spirituality in them are pretty high, while the Grief Beyond Belief dot org library actually does have a lot of writing and podcasts and videos and you vetted them and absolutely i've read through every one of them or and you know some of them have a little like tag that says uh their spirituality elsewhere on this website but this one Hmm. article is completely free of religion but there's also a whole section of um research about grief and you know um It's just, I feel like it's a very good resource. One of the things that people ask for, however, is do we have grief support, grief beyond belief support groups in various places? And so what I'm working towards right now is not having grief beyond belief groups but supporting communities in figuring out how to provide grief support in their local communities. Because there are parts of the country, I mean, you know, places in the Bible Belt where it's just, it's almost impossible to find a grief support group that does not, that's not, you know, entirely based on uh, religion and taking place at a church and run by church folk. And so the real goal is for their, for local secular communities to know how to pro- provide grief support, whether it's through a group 
or one-on-one. And I've actually written a handbook uh, called the Secular Grief Support Handbook that I'm going to be actually doing a little fundraising to publish uh, as an ebook so that communities really have that resource. But in order to do that, I've also been kind of going around the country some and doing workshops, and that's been amazing, talking to people who've never really had a chance to talk to other non-believers about grief. Whenever I'm asked to go talk at a conference or whatever, I say, I'm happy to come talk, but I also want to do a workshop so people have a chance to talk to each other as well. It's a, it's a really neat opportunity because I think, unfortunately, this is one of those kinds of issues where you don't realize you need it until it's happening to you and when you're you know when you're already going through a rough time the last thing you want to do is start researching and trying to find this sort of thing so it's nice to have those workshops available where you can learn about this stuff beforehand so that you know if and when that time comes you know how to handle it are amazing with referring each other to grief beyond belief. I mean, that's the thing is that I have this immense gratitude to these, you know, thousands of, you know, of people who have told someone else, hey, this exists. And I hear from people who, you know, work in hospitals, work in hospice, who say, you know, this is what I tell people. This is what I, you know, uh, refer people who are non-believers to that I never had this resource before. And even, you know, people who are chaplains who are themselves religious people, you know, do refer non-believers to grief beyond belief. Well, thank you so much for the work you're doing. And for anyone interested in uh, if, uh, joining the Facebook group, I was going to say like, yeah, go sign up. But no, if you're, if you're going through this sort of experience, if you've lost a loved one, uh, loved one in you're looking for this sort of support the website is facebook.com slash faith free grief support it's all one word faith free grief support and when it's up and running griefbeyondbelief.org is also there uh, thank you again and I like I said at the very beginning I can't tell you and and other listeners how many times I've told people this is a good place for you to go if you're struggling right now uh, you could talk to people who have gone through the same experience, who are going through the same experience. And uh, again, I know as an atheist, this is one of those things that uh, we don't necessarily do a good job of communicating because when we lose somebody, there are a million resources out there for religious people with religious language. There are so many books out there on how to deal with it. So few of those resources uh, do away with the, you know, superstition and all that nonsense. And they're just honest and they help you realize this is a way to honor someone's memory. This is a way to get through your own struggles and depression and all that stuff. Uh, It's super important and and it's one of those things we need to get better at doing. and, And you've taken a huge step in making that happen. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. And, you know, I always feel really lucky because I I think one of the things that people don't realize is that one of the most comforting things in grief is knowing that there is some sort of meaning. And grief beyond belief is really how I've been able to give some sort of meaning to my own grief and 
to um, to my son's life and death. And so I feel very lucky to have been able to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thanks so much. I will have links to everything we talked about on in the show notes. Great. Bye bye.